Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
even in uh, states where there's legislation enacted that says it's legal with giant quotes around it, uh, medically available, any which way you can, um, frankly, it just doesn't matter. When law enforcement decides they want to come after you, they do. Um, and it all has to do with a little thing called the Controlled Substances Act, a federal law that was enacted back in 1971 um, that just made the plant cannabis illegal. It made it illegal. They took a plant that uh, grows out of the ground, uh, whether or not we're here, and uh, has got land-raised streams that go virtually all over the world. This is a plant that's an ancient plant that mankind has discovered its benefits and uses back thousands and thousands of years ago. In fact, they found uh, an Ice Age cave person that uh, was was found frozen, mummified, and in a little bag, a little skin bag sitting next to this person, had a little bit of cannabis. Imagine that. Cave people figured out it was a useful plant. And yet, our modern government has decided that it is not only dangerous, but amongst the most dangerous substances on the planet and is a controlled substance in Schedule One, which means that there are no known medical uses for it. It's an inherently dangerous plant, and it's a plant that is prone to addiction. Um, none of those things are actually true. And, you know, science is catching up, and the government's ability to keep the lid on it is slipping away. But meanwhile, the law stands, and it really doesn't matter what a state does. It really doesn't matter what uh, what we do, even when we have a law that's supposed to protect us. Well, it does sometimes in the end when court comes around, but uh, does it going to keep you from being raided? Is it going to keep you from being charged? Probably not, not if they get their eyes on you. I just met a woman, uh, I don't know, a week and a half ago, it's the first live show we've done in a couple of weeks, so things happen even while we're not on the air. So I'm going to share a couple of those things with you. We were, my wife and I were up in uh, Camarillo uh, visiting some dear friends of ours, uh, Didi and Paul Kirkwood, and um, we had dinner with them. I don't know, like two weeks ago, I think it was. Anyways, they brought a friend over, and she had recently been raided. She had a little delivery service up in Ventura County and was operating um, as so many delivery services do in in uh, counties and cities where there aren't ordinances that license this activity. Um, the California law allows for this activity to exist with or without a license. So um, when you want to get hung up on the word legal Technically, even if you don't have an uh, ordinance and a license that allows you to do something, um, if a law allows for certain activities to exist, uh, it should supersede that. So anyways, at the end of the day, if you're in violation of a local zoning zoning ordinance, um, if you open up a, you know, a little shopping cart or a catering place or if you have some little a flash mob type business, you pull over to the side of the road, you want to sell some items, uh, they don't raid you. They don't investigate you. They don't uh, get a, war a judge to sign a warrant. And they don't come in with machine guns and masks and, 
and helicopters and dogs, and they don't do any of those things. What they do is they have a little rent-a-cop guy that's called code enforcement. Usually, um, usually these guys are not particularly pleasant, but it doesn't matter. What they do is they hand you a piece of paper, and the piece of paper will say cease and desist, or it might say uh, you have a time to comply with our ordinance. Um, they're going to say, you know, you can't operate your business this way, so correct it or we'll have to fine you. That's essentially what happens. But when you're dealing with this particular kind of a business or this particular kind of an operation, it becomes a criminal activity, a criminal enterprise, a criminal operation, and they they get all kinds of money to come in and, and execute these warrants. So think about this. We've had multiple discussions about this and I'm not going to drone on and on about it but at the end of the day it's about money it's about uh, the ability to forfeit assets it's ability to seize your stuff and the likelihood of you getting it back just the way it works so uh, you know keep that in mind as you're spending a lot of energy trying to pass a law because Frankly, um, that's what's happened in every single state where laws have been passed. People still get busted in Colorado. People still get busted in California. They still get busted in Oregon. They still get busted in Washington and every other place where we pass laws. Uh, today we've got a very special guest on, and she got busted in a place where they don't have a good law, or maybe they don't have a law at all. We're going to learn a little bit more about what's going on. Um, but we have somebody who uh, is going through a case, and um, we're going to learn about the case. We're going to learn about, um, you know, what we can do to offer assistance. We're going to um, hopefully be able to educate the defendant and and show some support. Um, the Human Solution International has been around now for almost eight years, and uh, we've been providing education and court support and prison outreach and all sorts of uh, services um, to people whose civil rights have been violated. Primarily civil rights that have to do with the cannabis plant. But we're not exclusive to that, but that's certainly our focus. And certainly our one of our goals is to end cannabis prohibition entirely. Not to pass a law, not to legalize anything, not to reform laws. We want to and prohibition once and for all there's just no reason that makes sense that says cannabis or any other plant for god's sake could and should be a controlled substance just doesn't make sense and somehow we've all been duped into accepting this and as time's gone by more and more people are not so willing to accept it and have stood up and said you know, we need to change it. And, of course, changing the law is certainly one thing that can be done, but it's not until we change the public's perception, it's not until we change public sentiment that this is ever going to change. It's not until it becomes not okay. Remember, we passed civil rights laws way back before they ever became had any teeth to them. Cops were still causing all kinds of harm to uh, people of color, even after we passed laws that said they couldn't do that, that there was no segregation, there was no, uh, you know, everybody had equal rights, just like the Constitution said from the beginning, said 
We're all created equal, okay? Well, guess what? took a long time. It still isn't done. 60, 70 years later, it's still not completely done. But it's certainly a lot. We've, we've gained a ton of ground. And public sentiment is such now, for the most part, that, um, you know, everybody deserves the same shake. It doesn't really matter. It shouldn't matter what where you come from, what you look like, uh, what your proclivities are. None of those things should matter as to whether you have rights, whether or not you have the same civil rights as the next guy. So uh, this is something that... Uh, Cannabis is got not it's not going to be any different. It's not going to be any different. It doesn't matter what the law says. We've had laws in on the books in Michigan for many years and I've had first-hand experience, second-hand experience a lot of judges that have sat on the bench and said, "You know what? I don't care what the law says, not in my court, not in my county. This stuff's not going to happen." Well, it happens all over the place. There's hanging judges and it's the same kind of crap that happened with the lynchings and the the nightmares, and I hate to really, you know, oh, I'm crossing a line, and this doesn't have anything to do with that. Well, no, actually it does. There's just as many people, and, and people have been harmed just the same as people that have had their civil rights violated in, in any way. I have watched people lose their jobs, lose their kids, get beaten, get killed, have lost everything, lost literally everything, marriages torn apart, uh Put, more people have been put in jail for pot than many and many other things. So, frankly, I'm going to stand on this one. If somebody wants to get all PC on me, um, come on, let's let's have a conversation. Bring it to the show. Um, it's reality. It affects everybody. It affects some people more than others, depending on where you live. Depends on what the what your sheriff is all about, what your uh, DA is all about. But frankly, I've watched people of every background get persecuted and prosecuted for this. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. Um, we just went through some pretty major changes with the human solution. Um, about eight months ago we had an election and we have a new board, and I'm really proud to say that this new board is working really well, working really hard, and getting a lot done. Um, we also just recently uh, switched platforms on our website. So if you've been to our website recently at thsintl.org, you'll find it's no longer a nation builder site. Now, I'm not one to publicly bash anybody or anything. However, nation builder was less than good to us and um, ended up sort of leaving us a little bit um, high and dry. They charged us a whole bunch of money and didn't provide any of the support that they pledged that they would. So we're now on a um, WordPress platform, and um, if, if you've noticed that the site has been a lot leaner, it's because uh, Becca Nichols, who is um, one of my right hands in all of this, um, just had a pretty major surgery, and she has created the new website, and there's a collaboration going to go on about building it, but um, she created what is up there today and um, she's taking a little bit of time to heal. So we're all getting back into the groove, and you're going to watch the website begin to grow. And I would really like to get participation from some of our members, people that have participated, people that have been to court, people that have uh, been 
you know, a defendant, a supporter, um, an, a prisoner, um, a lawyer. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you could participate with your personal experience, uh, putting out little videos about some of the points. Uh, if you know about jury nullification, if you've participated in any of our educational um, uh, activities that we've done, it'd be great to have some of your words and some of your thoughts as part of this. We're a grassroots organization, and we really we couldn't be more of a grassroots organization. We're, we're a non-funded, non-salaried, all-volunteer uh, grassroots organization that's found its way uh, into most states of the Union and uh, a number of other countries. And so um, it certainly would be great to have more representation than the handful of people that have stood up uh, to lead this thing. So um, anyhow, if you want to get involved, um, you can contact myself for now. Um, the number is 951-436-6312. One of the things that we lost um, was our website phone number. So we're we actually have a Google phone number. We're going to figure it out and get that up on the website so people can at least contact us through the phone, leave us a message, or even leave um, little clips for the radio show, uh, little updates and whatnot. Um, all right, so before we bring into our first guest, I'm going to give a shout-out to the Coffee Party and the Coffee Party Radio Network, who has given us a platform to make this show possible, and there are some pretty great programming that's on during the week and uh, you can come to this blog talk station and listen to a number of different uh, number of different live shows and there's also remember everything that's on this uh, platform is archived you can go back and listen to it so uh, we're going to have a nice radio shit station page on the website that's going to have all kinds of archive shows with bookmarks and things like that so we've had some great guests over the years and uh, some great topics and it's all preserved okay so we're going to bring up becca and becca's going to kind of ho- co-host this show with me and then we're going to bring up michelle becca welcome <coughs> to the show how are you doing today i'm doing pretty good how are you feeling you've just gone through a pretty major physical ordeal i'm feeling very sore <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did you get your package? <laughs> no, not yet. So, uh, All right. Well, we yeah. sent you a nice little care package. Hopefully, it will. Hopefully, it'll get there tomorrow. Um, all right. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about this guest before we bring her up? And you've had some communication with her, and uh, let's let's give us a little pre-intro before we bring her on. The main the main stuff that I do know about this coming guest is um her husband has already been already taken a plea deal he's already been through court um they already had to deal with a child protective services case involving this and now it's Michelle's turn so it's pretty much a family affair. Okay, one got thing it. After and they another. do that sometimes. Yeah. Which really yep. is grueling and um you know it's it's it, it's sometimes you know if you've ever been in custody if you've ever seen the inside of the of the machine that's so-called our justice system um you realize there's some there's some sick bastards in there and there's some people that i'm sorry but they they take pleasure in causing harm and causing hardship to people and they in many 
cases will cause things to happen that um, seem almost like it's um, a personal thing. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how bad a law is, um, a public officials are supposed to do their job, not anymore. And so many of these public officials take their job so serious that they're you know, going to make sure they give it that little extra. And I hope this isn't one of those cases, but... Um, I've seen many of them. I've been in. I've been involved in several of them. So, all right. Well, without further ado, we have Michelle. I don't have a last name, but I'm sure we'll find out real quickly. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, what is your last name? Um, button like a button on your shirt. Okay. Excellent. So, tell us, Michelle. Um, what? You know, let's just start off. With a simple, uh, you know, tell us the story. Tell us what happened here, and and we can uh, sort of pick up when we get to a spot where there's something I can I can bring to it. Okay. Well, uh, my my husband is is epileptic, and um, he needs marijuana to help his seizures. His doctor. So where, where do you live, states. first of all? Uh, we live in a very rural county called Burke County in the western North Carolina. We moved here in 2015 because our doctors in New York told us the hospital in Winston-Salem had the newest technology for his certain type of epilepsy. Okay. So we sold our house and we tr- uprooted our whole family and came here to get him the right medical care that he needs. Uh, his doctors in New York, which is a medically legal state, um, had always told him, just don't buy anything off the street. Always make sure you kind of grow your own on the side quietly so you know it's going to be clean and help you. They educated him on what types of strands would help his seizures the best. So when we came here, his neurologist also said, well, we can't give you a medical card because we're not there yet. We're still passing the laws. But we do agree with what our colleagues say from New York. And what 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 did they say? What sort of uh, what sort of strains were they recommending? Um, I believe they were recommending um, more of a sativa strand. Mhm. Um, okay. I can't Just remember the exact names. Mhm. Uh, I would have to ask him. He's not. He's sure. in laying down at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's it's not paramount. Just curious as to where you know uh, different parts of the country, different schools of thought have different ideas about things. So just just my and my I've, curiosity I've about personally it. seen firsthand them decrease the amount of seizures he will have in a day and the intensity of those seizures. So I'm a firm believer that it helps his his needs and helps his epilepsy. Um, so So was he smoking he, it? Was he eating it? What was the, what he was the method of delivery? both. 
um, and they came. They came in with a. Uh, and at this point, we're still disputing um, an illegal warrant. They came in with you know some big heavy guns, lots sure. of vehicles, lots of dogs. Um, pretty scary day. Yep, I've, I've been and where you were. It's uh, nothing more terrifying than having an army descend on you with, mili- with military-grade weapons pointed at you. I, I, especially when I work for the church, donate my time for youth at the school. I mean, we're quiet people. Yep. Um, to them, you were you were public enemy number one. So we we were when, when they came in on you. They came in at your house. They did. They um, we live in the woods, down a big, huge, long driveway. It's gated, um, posted, fenced all the way around the couple acres. Um, they they came they came in with heavy artillery, and uh, we had lots of extra children here because it was summertime. Everyone was pretty scared. Uh, and they 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 found some things growing out in a shed. Rebel. And yeah. now we're he he did take a plea deal just last week. Because okay. well, let's before we get to the plea deal, I I, I want to walk through the process. Um, and, and this is really important because it's a similar process everywhere in the nation. We have a uh, judicial system that operates more or less the same, but every state has their own little nuances, and um, oftentimes there's things that uh, will correlate to something that we do over in California or uh, down south or wherever, but it's it's important for me to sort of understand the process that you went through so that when we get to where you are now, I'll have that, that point of reference, and it's um, it's easy to forget things. Easy to uh, not think something's important, but um, frankly, anything and everything could be important. And sometimes, if you find something that is wrong, um, it can change everything. It could make uh, you know you have an appealable uh, issue, or you know it might make the decision whether you decide to take a plea deal or stand and fight your case. Um, understanding what your position really is. I'm standing to fight because we feel the warrant was unjustified. The detective came the night before. He opened up our locked, closed gate on the driveway, continued to come on down into the property without a warrant. What caused that? What What was the initial complaint that caused him to come out? Um, a lady whom uh, her and I have been bickering back and forth for a few months. This lady attacked me at a local gas station, so I took the video from the gas station, and I went and got a protection order against her. And mm-hmm. then four days later, they were rolling down the driveway with the heavy so artillery. did she have intimate knowledge of what you had, or was she just guessing? I'm guess my guess is her children had always come here to play, so mm-hmm. one of her children may have seen 
something and ran home and said, Mom, I've seen this. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, and this is unfortunately, um, I'm going to be pointing some things out so that, you know, the listening audience can can catch this. And as, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but um, right. here we are. Let's let's take our hindsight and and put it out there for somebody who might be um, acting dangerously and not realize it. And unfortunately, never have um, anyone over. <laughs> well, you know, it's not just never have anybody over. It's there's nothing that having anybody know about your cannabis use or growing or participating in it in any way, shape, or form unless they're on an equal footing with you where they're sharing an equal risk. There's no reason that that's ever going to benefit you. And it's important to realize that because we think a lot of times because we're righteous, because we're, you know, you sound like if everything you say is true and I have no reason to think otherwise, you're a good person, that you're coming from a good place. You're not a criminal mind. You're not a criminal person. So you don't think like a criminal. And so you figure you're doing something good for your husband. You're doing something wholesome and natural. And so, therefore, you're proud of it. You feel good about it. Well, typically when we feel good about something, we don't hide it. We don't keep it under wraps. We don't keep people from knowing about it. We share it with everybody. You share the good news, right? Well, that's unfortunately we – it's wise to go against our nature in this instance because the good news is also a criminal act, according to a lot of people. And um, many, many, many cases, and, and I'm just sort of having a conversation with you about this because I've got, I've been through it myself and I've been through it with a lot of other people. And I, it, it's kind of a recurring situation where good people uh, that, that, don't know anything about the court system because they've never, you know, been charged with a crime. Right. I've never um, been charged with a crime, so here yeah, I am. Nor had I when I went through mine, and and you know, um, and same with so many of us. I mean, there's there, you're you're unfortunately you're you're in uh, a pretty large group of good company, but the thing of it is, is you know, we tend to be good people, trusting people. We're not. We're not out there trying to hide anything. In fact, we realize we're doing good for the world. We want to share it. We want to tell people about, look what we've discovered. Look what's happening. Uh, you know, and my God, it's a plant for, you know, it's, you, you, you grow a garden and, um, you know, you want to share it. Listen, I have um, Craig Cecil calling in from federal prison. He's currently serving a life sentence for pot, and he calls into the show every week about this time. So we're going to put him on. Um, okay. Just hang tight. We're going to continue as soon as he's done. Absolutely. Hang up to decline the call or to accept dial 5 now. If you wish to. Hello, Craig. How are you doing today? Good, Joe. Hello from Terre Haute, Indiana. Oh, God. One day you're going to say hello from somewhere else, and it's going to be because you're free. I just can't wait for that day. Yes, I'm hoping we're FCI, Federal Correctional Institution, doesn't foresee the, oh, <laughs> yeah. the uh, name of the city. Exactly, exactly. Well, I want to share with you a couple of things. We're, we're, we've got a show today that um, we've got a, a couple of real special guests, and we have a, a woman by the name of Michelle Button who 
is going through a case on the East Coast, and, you know, her husband was uh, or is uh, suffering seizures in a, in a rare form of epilepsy or a, a type of epilepsy that uh, the cannabis plant was helping. And as so many people have had situations, somebody who, uh, you know, had their kids over, must maybe saw something, ran to mom, said, you know what I saw, mom ends up having a problem um, at a gas station. We're still kind of hearing about the story. And a couple of days later, a detective comes barging into the place, and next thing you know, there's uh, uh, an executed warrant and a SWAT team rolling into this backwoods rural place with uh, a few plants and a, and a little bit of medicine. Just ridiculous. And then we got another story. Another story of a nurse, um, and uh, she's actually part of the American Cannabis Nurses Association, and she got raided. Her husband ultimately passed away, um, maybe not indirectly because of all of this, and now the nurses' uh, agency are uh, charging her with a moral turpitude um, in, Charges. I don't know if they're criminal charges, but they're certainly threatening to take away her uh, nurse's credentials over it. What I kind of wonder, though, is in, like, the county that came after him for his little bit of plants in the backyard and his little bit in the baggie in the house that wasn't hurting anybody, in that county, how many violent crimes were not getting investigated that day because all those officers were running around doing that. Exactly. And, you know, all across the country there's a rampant uh, pharmaceutical problem. There's a rampant opiate addictions and methamphetamine problems and all the crime that's connected to it. That's just only on the, the drug side of things. Um, and then you go, like you say, into violent crime, into into crimes of uh, of uh, burglaries and 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 violence and and you know and so on and and on and and like you said, I mean, you know, in my raid there was like 30, 30 cops involved in just my one raid, and there was over a hundred cops involved in the whole task force. What were those? What might have been avoided or, or averted had those cops been just doing? their regular job and looking for actual criminals. You know, maybe somebody didn't get raped or maybe somebody didn't get beat up or, or robbed or, you know. Well, why, you know, why isn't violent crimes, crime, crimes that undoubtedly have a victim, why are they not the first, you know, the first concern of law enforcement? Well, the answer is unfortunately too simple. Uh, there's no assets to be seized from violent people. They typically don't have anything to take. And Amen. there's not a law on the book that says you can seize a violent person's assets just because they committed a violent act. And if you have drugs, you can. And I, as far as I'm concerned, I think that's that's all they need. They just need the ability to take your stuff, and it makes it more important. Earlier yep. today I read an article uh that was part of an interview with Jeff Sessions, our new attorney general, and some of his deputies. And they say they're going to make a big push towards gun prosecutions and drug prosecutions. 
Now, what I kind of wonder about is, remember, I was called from a federal prison. Chicago this year already is over a thousand shootings and over 200 murders. Now, where does that factor in? Why don't we put some federal agents, instead of worrying about a guy with his bag of marijuana in the backyard, why don't we worry about a guy that's shooting people in the middle of the street? <laughs> yeah, what well, are we doing I think I think that there's two sides of it. One. The guy that's shooting somebody in the middle of the street, he's shooting. And, you know, uh, most of the marijuana growers aren't, aren't packing heat, and they're not, they don't usually put up much of a fight. I don't know that I've ever heard of a gunfight at a, mar- at, a, at, a, at a cannabis raid. I've never heard of anybody, and I'm not saying it hasn't ever happened, but there's been a ton of, of marijuana raids, and I don't know that I've ever heard of a standoff or a, you know, a gun battle or any of this stuff. Um, you know, it, it's they don't. It's a risk versus reward. You know, the people that are out there shooting other people, they've already got guns. Who wants to walk into that? Where you know, nine out of ten times you walk into the to the uh, the the pot case and and you're dealing just like Michelle. Never committed a you know, never charged with a crime. Um, you know, never never faced a. a an officer with a loaded weapon pointed at her before. Uh, all we do is freeze and put our hands up. You know, it's easy pickings. And the bigger thing is, is there's there's no risk to the officer. He doesn't have to go in the ghetto in Chicago to try to track down, you know, exactly. why the gang is targeting this group of people and all that. Instead, what they do is they arrest some poor guy that has a small amount of, you know, any sort of drugs. And they get him to point the finger at two or three others to reduce his sentence. Yep. You know, here, by the end of the week, they've made 10 arrests. Exactly. Exactly. Who have they saved? Who have they saved, you know, is the big thing. You know, know, how have we unvictimized anybody, you know? How have we protected the next person? I think it's interesting, too, is we've got all these people upset about politics and this and that, and people are complaining about... You know, this group is being targeted and that group. And I'm wondering, what would it take for us to stand up for our own rights? You know, why don't we demand that our law enforcement uh, end violent crime? Why, why don't we demand that there, we live in a world where there aren't, you know, thousands of murders every year? We could, if we demanded it, we could get it, you know? I, I don't know why. Where's the outrage? Where's the march against violence? I don't see it. Well, because they're still relying on some of the 1980s narratives that the reason for violent crimes is drugs. I know, I know. But there's so many studies that have now disproven that. Again, back to the, all the rancher murders in Chicago, virtually all of them are because somebody disrespected somebody. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's turned into, a, it's turned into kindergarten with, with uh, loaded weapons. And so really the, you know, to say that, you know, there's all these violent robberies and there's all these violent murders and there's all this violent gang activity because of marijuana or even, you know, the the murder drugs just doesn't wash anymore. I mean, the the science doesn't support it. Well, you know, I wish we could, we could, as I'm walking through life right now and, and, you know, the, the political spectrum is so polarized. And it, it's it's never been more polarized, and and I wonder 
what it would take to have some sort of a third party come in to our world and say, look, both sides get to plead their case, but there's got to be facts. There's got to be somebody that, that just deals with actual facts, actual evidence, and actual sense. And all of these things, you know, the, our, our criminal priorities, the way that law enforcement uh, spends our money. I mean, if you could take it to a straight-up money point of view, what the hell are you spending our money on this stuff, and why aren't you spending it on the things that, that, that would keep us safe? No, uh, all, most of the sheriffs and the, and the law enforcement have something about serving and protecting. And there's something about the element of protecting that should cause the community to feel safe, right? If you're being protected, you should feel safe. I don't think that very many people really feel that safe, especially people that live in the cities, in the, in the um, you know, especially in the inner cities. But I don't know that very many people feel safer when they see a law enforcement coming near them or coming up behind them. I think more and more people feel unsafe when that happens. What do you think about that? That's true, and look at how much trouble they're having hiring law enforcement officials anymore because such a bad stigma is now going to attach to them because they don't save people from violent crime. You know, instead they victimize people. So really, I mean, they've lost, you know, total respect amongst the people. Well, it's going to take a major overhaul, I think, but I think that, you know, I think if we demanded it, I think it would happen. I, I look at Colorado and Washington and some of the other, uh, you know, large-scale recreational marijuana states. Do you think people feel more unsafe in their homes because other people can have marijuana? Yeah. You know, and look at the crime rate. Crime rates did not grow. No. Every, nothing mean, really changed. You know, that's the whole thing. The only thing that changed is there's a lot more people growing pot. And, you know, the, the, the people that are going to commit crimes are still going to commit crimes. And do they target pot people sometimes? Sure. If you have a commodity, if you have something valuable, you're going to be a target. But no more than if you have anything else. If somebody knows you've got money or, or gold or jewels or anything of any value, there's just because you have something of value shouldn't mean that you shouldn't be able to have it because you might be a target. It doesn't make any sense. That's true, and if you look, one of the big killers of today is what they're calling the opioid, opioid crisis. Oh, yeah. You know, there's people dying of heroin overdoses. And in all the places where they've loosened up or completely done away with, you know, uh, restrictive marijuana laws, the, the rate of opiate deaths have went down. So really, marijuana is saving lives in these large-scale distributions. Right. No, I know. Uh, Washington elsewhere. It, it, it's, it's, it's very troubling, and it's something that, um, you know, the news doesn't report it. The mainstream news still likes to uh, demonize, um, you know, the pot people with quotes around it. Uh, you know, they, they, they like to sensationalize any time there's any kind of a glitch, um, any kind of a problem, anything out of the ordinary. Um, you know, people abuse anything. Is, is it is it possible that somebody's going to eat too much of an edible and, and, and get a little sick from it? Sure. But how many people accidentally drink Drano and get sick and die from it? 
You know, I'll bet you that there's a similar number, you know. I mean, people do every kind of stupid thing. This is just, the, this is a stupid thing that can't kill you. And, you know, and again, our resources are, you know, especially our our tax dollars, you know, that are going to law enforcement people and all that, you know, we're getting no bang for the buck. I mean, like you talk about the person with seizures who was treating with, uh, with that medicine. I mean, that's one of the, I think one of the best known, you know, um, treatments of that medicine that is actually shown to what's called it's from a federal prison. Right. And and now that person ultimately ended up having to take a deal because he wasn't really gonna be able to stand and fight the case and now that person's got a criminal record. In addition to still having to deal with the uh the seizures, you know? I mean it's just like what what did we accomplish? What did we? What good did we do for the for the society? I just it didn't happen. Nothing. I mean, it, it didn't do anything. And look at some of the pronounced marijuana uh, smokers, like Willie Nelson and others. I mean, he's still going strong at what? Nearly eighty something years old. I oh yeah. Well, and there's countless examples, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, and they're finding out more and more that the science is actually coming into play. They're finding out that. Cannabis is helping people's brains rather than turning it into fried eggs. Well, there's your first beat, Craig. Um, I'm going to let you have the floor from here out. Well, I, I really, my biggest uh, concern is a thank you to everybody that's helping put our effort out there to let people know that there's people like me serving life for marijuana. And, you know, and that people from their medicine that they produce right in their backyard. The more people know about it, the more people that can help fix it. So thank you to everybody that's spreading the word. That's, that's my my biggest uh, my biggest joy is hearing that people are getting it. Absolutely. Well, you know, Craig, we're here for you, and um, we're going to stick with it until uh, and, until you're out, until we get to go fishing. <laughs> I'm working on it. My fighting court continues. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Oh, there he goes. All right. So, Michelle, what you were listening to is Craig Cecil. I don't know if you know anything about his case, um, but he was a truck mechanic up in Indiana, and he was the guy who fixed up the trucks. I mean, he had a truck repair business, and uh, he had hooked up with some folks that were uh, smuggling pot, and they would tear their trucks apart, and they'd bring them to him, and he'd put them back together. Well, as luck would have it, um, the feds came in and busted everybody, and everybody rolled on everybody. Next thing you know, Craig, who had no criminal record, um, ended up getting caught up in, in a conspiracy case. And if you know anything about conspiracy cases, um, if you are caught up in a conspiracy, meaning you had something to do with knowing about this criminal enterprise that was going on, you can literally be charged with the same thing that everybody did. And he ultimately um, ended up getting hit with a life sentence, and here he is. He's he's a serving a life sentence in, in, in federal parole. prison without possibility of parole. And right. uh, his son just passed away about a year ago, and he wasn't, you know, he was locked up in prison um, when it happened. He couldn't be there, you know, when it was happening, um, and. It's just devastating to think that 
you know, when when people are sitting there whining and bitching about things, and and you know, not getting involved. When there's involved a drug out here work. that's killing people. Right. I know. It's, many, yeah, I, many drugs out I there. I can't are even under, wrap my head around it. Well, and and that's why our organization exists <laughs> because. This is just something that is so egregious, it's so um, ridiculous, it's so wrong in so many ways. And, you know, it's unfortunate that there's really only a handful of people that I've come upon that are willing to get in there and actually help without there being any tangible reward. Um, And you you mentioned them trying to take things and possessions from people and and that's really what this is about here is yep. they came here with all them guns and all them people for a few little plants right. and walked away. They didn't even arrest yep. us. They did nothing. Yeah. But you know what I well, got in the mail five days later? Yeah. I got in the mail well, they, five they... days later a tax bill for $25,000. And I appealed it. And then once I appealed it, and a few months later, then they come with a grand jury uh, indictment for each of us for two felony counts of manufacturing marijuana and maintaining a dwelling of a home, a shed, to grow it in. And once we are both convicted of something of that nature, they'll be able to get another warrant to come and seize our property to pay that $25,000. There you go. Because North Carolina has a drug tax. They have a drug tax here. Yep. Now you're in in the reality of this, and that's what it was always about. Um, You know, I know a guy who actually had – since passed, but when he had property in, I think it was Iowa, and he had, I don't know, 200 acres, and it was farmland. He was growing corn on it, and he had grown a few pot plants. I don't know if he had 50, 100 plants. Who cares? He had some plants. Well, somehow the feds got wind of it, and they came in with their helicopters, and they, you know, this is, you know, in the middle of Iowa farm country, and they they come in on him and they said, well, you got two choices. You can give us your property or you're going to end up going to prison for a long, long time and losing it anyways. And he gave them the property and they went away. They never charged him. Well, we've played it safe. We we we, we Before we had gotten to this point where my husband took the plea last week, and we, we knew he took the plea because – there's no way he could sit through a trial, and even right. if he lost, that he would ever get the neurological care he needs in in a prison. No, you wouldn't. He takes so and, much medicine. He sees yeah. so many doctors. He he would he would die in a prison. So tell me, let's 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 rewind back to. Um, so originally, the detective came out. Um, he came out in the middle of the night with no warrant mm-hmm. with the neighbor lady. And they came down our came long driveway with her. With her. <laughs> in, 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 this is yeah. in a statement, too. In, in a statement, he left. 
um, opened up our gate. He woke all What's of us up in locked? the house. Uh, it, it 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 is like a link locked um, because we have a horse, so it has to stay locked. A free range horse, okay. um, or the horse would end up who knows where here out in the field. So he entered he entered your property through a locked gate without any permission or without a warrant to come in the middle of the night to investigate the shed. Then went right. back the next morning to fill out his application for a warrant. Of but which he had already judge, been there. He'd already been there. And, he'd and already did he, come. he went into the shed at that time. Uh, he it doesn't the paperwork doesn't state if he went in. He it just says he came to investigate the shed. It doesn't right. state this is, this if he went in or not. That was visible from a road. He couldn't have parked. On the side of the road and absolutely not. You got to go over a knoll, down 600 yards, through a gate, another 400 yards, through the dark, into the woods. Right. You you cannot see the house shed anything from the road. Okay. So it sounds like you've got a pretty strong case if you got the fortitude to stand and fight. Right. So I. We we had someone else give us a second opinion from not in this state, look through the things and said, have your husband take the plea. I know it's going to leave him a, a, a convicted felon, which doesn't seem fair, but he's not working anyway, so it's not like he needs to go through background checks. It does take his gun rights away from him, but... This is going to be, work better for you when it comes to trial because now he'll be able to stand and say he'll be able to take the blame without any extra repercussions. Right. And we can file motions to suppress any evidence based on the fact they had a dirty warrant. Right. So this is what we're praying for, we're hoping for. The problem is, Everyone in this little rural community is just kin to someone, to another someone, and I'm stuck with court-appointed. I fired my okay. first court-appointed well, last question week. Is, yeah, you don't, have, you don't have funds for an attorney, so you're dealing with a public defender. I am. I am. Okay. Now, what is this public defender? Uh, when did you meet with them originally? Well, I had an original public defender the first few months. I met with him in Jan. Well, I met with him <laughs> never. He kind of never had time with me and then met him the first time, my first court hearing. I didn't yeah, know what he looked unfortunately, like. Unfortunately, that's very common. <laughs> and I it was it called my name, and he it. waved at me. So I realized <laughs> that's who my lawyer is. Right. <laughs> And yeah, it I went it downhill. Case, okay. So I I successfully presented my Marsden hearing case last week, and he was fired. Okay. And I well, was appointed good. someone new, but he's still from here. Right. So I don't meet with him face to face till this Friday. Okay. 
I have now, no is, idea is what it, to expect. You're meeting with him Friday because there's a court hearing, or you're just going to meet with him? I'm set for trial <clears throat> August 28th. Okay. And so where have you already been through a preliminary hearing or a pretrial hearing? I have only been through four admin court hearings where it was, are you accepting the plea? And then the first court-appointed attorney said, we'd like a continuance, and then they gave me a new court date. It went that fast. And then last week it was, I need a Marsden hearing. The judge said, for what do you need a hearing for? And I presented my facts of, you know, inadequate counsel on this reason, this reason, this reason. He approved me. I gave him the big old Donald Trump, you're fired. (laughs) And they gave me a card for someone new. So well, I, no, there's there's a bit of good news in all of this. The bit of good news is that you got a judge that at least was reasonable enough to listen to you. Um, that's not always the case. So that's actually, uh, if there's going to be something good already out of this, it's that you got a judge that, you know, what isn't isn't set on hanging you. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the judge that you're going to see as you move down the down the line, but um, no, nope. you know, that's... North Carolina in the Superior Court where I'm I'm at because it's a felony case. They right. rotate their judges from all all districts every six months. So every well, six months, uh, honestly, a new I'd judge that, will come in. That's probably better than than it not being good. And the reason why is these judges get entrenched and they get, you know, where everybody knows everybody and uh-huh. everybody's scratching each other's backs. And, frankly, I wish they did that in California because I'm glad there's a lot it, yeah. of bad judges. Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, all right, so you you never were given what they call a, a preliminary hearing or they have a, other terms for it where – um, the the court will look at the facts of the case and make a decision: is it worthy of going to trial? Because typically, I don't know of any state that doesn't have that as part of their process. There's there has to be an initial hearing that says that that the judge will review the evidence, and there's usually not any motions that are being that have been um, uh, requested or or argued or anything at that point. Uh, I will be requesting will... a motion to suppress. Okay. Uh, based on the fact of the detective criminally trespassing with sure. the neighbor the night before oh, with no warrant. violation, yeah. Sure. And and have you already been given your discovery? I, I did get a discovery. They have five photographs, and the detective's statement discredits those five photographs. He says... <laughs> I found marijuana in the drawer, but he there's nothing in the drawer when he photographed it. And he says, I found a smoking bong on top of the nightstand, but his photograph shows it sitting on the floor over by a dresser. 
So his only five photographs are do not match his statements. And the wow. scale that they used to weigh the evidence, um, they gave me a photograph of it. It's very antiquated. It's 14 years old, damaged. It weighs only in pounds and ounces. <laughs> and the weight that they submitted in their paperwork to the court and the tax department is in grams. What? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I mean, all of this sounds very much in your favor. Good for you. Um, yeah. Now, what about the I've actual? There should be an actual complaint. Um, that's the police report that is the impetus for the warrant. Do you have that? I believe so. And that he has included false criminal background for my husband, such as he says my husband had a DWI with reckless driving leaving the scene of an accident in 2015. My husband is epileptic. If he right. ever drank a beer, my husband would die. Okay. But that's really, unfortunately, I mean, if he was going to stand and fight, that would be relevant. But to you, I don't know that you'll be able to bring up a, a false statement against your husband when he took the deal. So, but, but No, but regardless that, what of I'm that, saying he, is, is the detective lied on his search warrant right. application. Right. Right. And, and so... Uh, but was that any sort of grounds for the – I mean, they were just saying because of previous quote-unquote criminal activity that that's, that shouldn't be basis for a warrant. I mean, the the basis for the warrant was some sort of firsthand knowledge from your neighbor who claimed to know that this was the case. I mean, that that would be the only thing that would make sense that the judge would grant a warrant regardless or if, if there was any kind of – previous, you know, criminal record or not, unless somebody was on probation or parole or something like that, which he wasn't, so. No, um, not at all. Do you have and the, let, and I, the, the actual complaint where your neighbor had contacted law enforcement and made a statement? Do you have that? No. Okay, you have access to that, and you might have to file a motion to unseal that. But I will ask for that. that. Yeah, because something caused this to happen, and you have a right to see it. You know, it happened when it happened to me. I found out, you know, they they had to unseal it. But when they finally did, I found out that a guy that I had fired uh, turned out to be a psychopath, and he calls up the law enforcement, and made up a bunch of stories. But I would have never seen that had we not filed the motion to unseal that complaint. And it's going to be real important that you see everything that caused this to happen, uh, because otherwise, if you don't the judge won't see it either. And if the judge doesn't see it, there's no way to use, you know, this. There's also um, oftentimes uh, a state will have a motion that can be filed to request um, uh, an investigation to see if the arresting officer or the investigating detective uh, has got any disciplinary action. Um, and that's... Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. But anyways, in different states, it's got a different name to it. But basically, you can file a motion that says, I have reason to believe that this 
investigator acted inappropriately, we would like to see his record and see if there's been any complaints, uh, any disciplinary action filed against him. And if they find out that there is, oftentimes it can discredit him. So that's another okay. thing that, yeah, that you can talk to your attorney. Now remember, I, I am not an attorney, and I cannot give no. you legal advice. That I'm not. No, and I'm I've just been sharing things notes. I've learned along the way. <laughs> the, the thing that you were talking about, the person that made the initial complaint, like my neighbor yeah. making, calling them and right. saying, "I know there's this going yeah, that's on." The down initial the police report that initial that is. What they call the complaint, the complaint that led to the warrant. Complaint. There's always something. There's always an incident or a tip or something that caused this to happen. It might be a routine traffic stop. In this case, it wasn't. Usually, it's an informant. It's somebody who, like Craig was saying, got busted and they roll on somebody. Or in this case, it was a pissed-off neighbor who, you know, just had was too full of her own moral righteousness, or whatever the hell it was. It doesn't matter. It's just Oh, she's just somebody, downright jealous. I, I really feel she is. Somebody did something. Right. Well, she did that to cause you harm, and that was her motivation. I mean, and it doesn't matter what her motivation was. Maybe she thinks that that is just a terrible thing, and, and, and she thought she was doing the right thing. It doesn't matter. The point is she did something happened to cause that detective to come out, because he didn't just randomly walk along the road going, you know what, I think there's Let's a shit up there in the woods. Let's go investigate this house. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that didn't happen. So you have a right to know that is what I'm saying. We live, our, our justice system or our legal system, as the lawyers would say, um, is still uh, transparent on both sides. You can't have a secret surprise witness and you can't have secret surprise evidence. You have a right to see everything that, came to you. Whether or not it gets admitted into court is a different story, but you have a right to see it. I've so, also learned uh, that the detective that weighed the evidence does not have proper North Carolina certification to be using the scale. Well, there you go. There's another thing. So all of those things, you have, you, you may have to file motions for every single one of those things uh, but you can file motions to suppress. You can file a motion to quash the warrant. You can file a motion to traverse the warrant. Those are two specific motions that you can file because the motion was gotten uh, wrongfully. I mean, the, the warrant was gotten wrongfully. So, But you, if you don't file that motion, um, then the, the warrant stands, and the, the, the investigation is considered to be legitimate. And... A lot of times, you know, it's a tough road. You're going to have to, you're going to have to get your public defender to realize that you're going to fight this case, that you've done your 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 groundwork, and it's going to be on you to get this attorney, this public defender, whose job primar- primarily is to get you to take a plea deal. I mean, that's really, <laughs> right. you know, he's they're overworked, they're overloaded, um, they don't get paid that much, and they have to work with the prosecutors on a daily basis. So um, it's in everybody's best interest to get every case settled. That's typically what happens. Now, when somebody stands up and says, wait a minute, I didn't do anything wrong, and not only did I not do anything wrong, your case against me was built on on wrongfully gained evidence. And I hear 
you know, if if you go to this prosecutor, I mean, I'm sorry, this public defender, and you put together a little notebook that has very clearly bullet points put down with all the things that we're talking about, all the things that you've already thought of, sounds like you've already done your homework really well, um, put it together in a really easy-to-read, you know, well-typed, you know, triple-space, 16-point font, you know, really <laughs> easy to, to understand. And so he'll see that you're not just some, you know, lunatic trying to, you know, preserve your freedom at any cost. You've actually thought this out. You have grounds for it. And, and he has a responsibility to defend you vigorously, not just to defend you, but to actually defend you vigorously. And that's part of their job. And if he won't do it, you might have to Mars in him. I mean, you can do that until you get somebody who will defend you. I'll you Mars have that right. in the whole county's worth list if I have to. <laughs> well, and and you being able to show the judge that you have these things that you need to be done, but you can't do them unless you represent yourself pro se, and that's a terrible idea for most people. So and I you will need not an attorney who knows the rules of court, who knows how to prepare a motion, who knows how to present this right, and you, you can spoon-feed it to him. You know? he, he'll have a template for this motion, and all he needs to do is uh, fill in the relevant parts and the, and the relevant issues. Um, and the relevant case law that supports it. I mean, that's right. that's what he does. That's why he went to law school. So um, the worst you know, part is this DA's office here. Right before we moved here in 2015, went through a huge scandal. Had half their office fired. They've hired all these little rookies from fresh out of college, and the one who's got my case. She's like 24, 25 years old, just got her, just finished her internship and stuff. And she's out to make a name for herself at my expense, at anyone's expense. Oh, and you're talking about the prosecutor? Fair. Yes. Yeah, well, you know what? Get used to it. Prosecutors, well, hopefully you don't have to get used to it. Uh, <laughs> prosecutors are a sick and twisted breed. My prosecutor had such a hard on for me that they locked me up four times during my six-year battle, and every time they locked me up, she smirked at me. She smiled. She was, you know, when they hauled me out of court, she just looked at me and did everything but laugh. But through this, through my trial, she was so intense on on convicting me, she developed a tick during the trial. It was an 18-day trial in court, 18 days in uh, in court, so it was actually wow. a month-long trial, and she literally developed a nervous tick that she has to this day <laughs> over this. That's how personally invested she was in 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 this, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's insane. These, these people, their job is supposed to be about justice, and it's not. There is it's no about justice in this. Victories. They gotta go after the real criminals. Right. Well, real these are typically criminals. slam dunk cases for them. These are typically easy. You know, they just walk right through these things usually because most of the people are so scared of going to jail 
and you know they threaten you with well if you if you don't win this if you get convicted you're going to do time and we can offer you a sweet deal and you're not going to have to do any time you're just going to get your probation and if you a good little boy or a good little girl will 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 let you you know not have to do any prison time and oh, yeah. that's, that's why over you know, 90% take a plea deal wasn't like 94% yeah. what she's been saying the whole time yes Yes. They have mandatory and, and, minimums. And frankly, the the ones that stand tall and stand through it um, are the ones that make the difference. And, you know, um, I, I know I've been that one. And I, that's why one of the main reasons that we exist as an organization is because we know that there's right and there's wrong. And when somebody is wrongfully accused and wrongfully charged, and the odds are stacked against them, and you've been into court, you see how it is. It's so difficult to find any justice, any fairness in that courtroom, unless we force it to happen, unless we bring it to them. And one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, you're, you, how long have you been in this community? I mean, where you're at now? Almost full two full years. Okay. And And do you have any people that you know, you feel close to that you think would stand by your side through this? Through the trial? Yeah. I I do. I do. We have, okay. um, and we have some that work for the county. That um, One's an EMT who's been here plenty of times when my husband's seizing and understands and also believes in the marijuana treating his seizures. He's written notes also with Becca, too, to the court and is willing to take witness to the stand if need be. Um, okay, so well, here, here's what I want to sort of prepare you. Um, if you go into court by yourself, it's you're going to be woefully outnumbered. If you go into court with as many people as you can bring, and you all walk into court as well-behaved, as well-dressed, as well, um, you know, as respectful as you possibly can uh, with something that identifies you. We we create these little uh, solidarity ribbons, and it's just a little green ribbon with the red cross, and it's something that we make for court. But you don't have to do that. It's just something that we found to be useful because it, shows that we're all standing together it'll make a difference it it makes a difference as long as everybody behaves and is is you know it it's it's a show of the community standing to support you um that's something that we've historically shown i mean frankly i would have done a prison term if it wasn't for all the people i had at my trial uh i was railroaded i was wrongfully convicted and um we overturned the conviction partly because of all the people that were there and I today have no criminal record. I, I, you know, they ultimately I won my appeal, and they dropped the case after all of that. And congratulations. Uh, and I'm not the only one. There's a number of cases that uh, throughout the years that we've brought support in very hostile places in Kansas, in Nevada, in Arizona, uh, in Montana, in you know all all over the country. And when we do it right now. Trust me, it's a double-edged sword. If you get people that walk in there and they become disruptive and they, 
you know, look like, uh, you know, some bum that just came out from behind the liquor store, uh, or they, you know, cell phones going off, or uh, people falling asleep or causing problems, it'll be absolutely the opposite effect. But right. when everybody walks in there with the right, you know, and we have literally a, a code of, of, of conduct for this, and I can literally, you know, teach you how to how to do this. But if you do it, it can be very, very helpful. Um, another thing, too, is, you know, your story is a good story. Has there been any reach out to um, any media or, or even, you know, any kind of a local, anybody who might, you know, want to carry this story? Is, have you done anything about that? I haven't because my first court appointed, um, he advised me to say nothing to anyone, remain hush, do not try to jury nullification educate anyone in this community. Don't mention my case to anyone. Basically Yeah, that sounds like a classic lawyer. <laughs> say nothing, do nothing. Yeah. And his words yeah. and one of his words were let's play the waiting game. Yeah. I'm like, what is the waiting game? Yeah, the waiting game is that where they continue it out and continue it out and and uh, you know, there's some some wisdom to the waiting game, but in his mind, probably he was thinking he'd get transferred somewhere else and do, wouldn't have to deal with it. Um, you know, it's it's there. A court battle is is like a it's like a it's like sailing. The wind will blow one way, and you've got to turn your sail a little bit different. Then the wind will change direction, or it'll blow harder, or it'll stop blowing, and you have to react, and you have to you know, it, it's. Everything's stacked against you. They can send you to a different court. You know, I don't know how many courts your county has, but, you know, your case is potentially to be heard in any of them. And they could say, oh, we're gonna, we don't have room in this court. We're going to send you 100 miles over that way. Um, they don't usually do that, but they can and they have. Um, I've asked they can, them if they would yeah. because yeah, of it, how it, everyone is related to everyone here. And yeah, you have to be able to prove a, a real bias um, to get a change of venue. For you to do it, it's almost impossible. For them to do it, they'll do it anytime they want. <laughs> it's, it's you know, just very stacked against you that way. Um, so, you know, if you can prove somehow that, that you couldn't pick a, a fair jury, and I don't know how you could prove it, but if you, you know, you – you are your best advocate right now. You are the one who's got all the time to spend thinking about how could I prove that. If you could make a case for it, um, then absolutely you would have a reason to file a motion for a change of venue. But it's pretty hard to prove. Um, but if you could, hey, I think it's a, it's a fantastic idea because you're right. Just because you're right, um, you know, is that's one part of it. The other part of it is being able to prove it to a judge. Well, I, I did sway him on the Mars, so I will yep, start doing absolutely. my research on what it takes to to get a, a change of venue. Yeah, yeah, there's there's elements of it, and, and I and I you know wholeheartedly encourage you. You know, my case was one with three hail mary passes, and none of the elements that happened ever happen. Maybe have never happened, but they did. And if I wouldn't have done everything possible at every stage of the game, I would 
like I said, probably still be sitting in prison today. So I encourage to follow up on every possible thing you think that might help you and and do the research on it. And, uh, you know, that's part of what we're here for is to, uh, you know, bounce ideas off or, uh, you know, we can reach out and, and, and you know, we don't have a, a huge membership in, in your neck of the woods, but it doesn't mean that there aren't supporters and it doesn't mean that there aren't plenty of uh, uh, people that we could bring together. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts about being able to bring people to court? Do you think you've got, you know, even – even a you know a half a dozen people I you could bring to court. I have uh, plenty of people that have written letters. I'm going to see about asking them to now come to the court and just take their time to sit there, not actually. Yeah. Take now the, the letters. Stand. Who are you actually having them write the letters to? Um, to the judge. Okay. So I, I need to caution you about that. Right now, there's okay. really only one time where you can write a letter to a judge. Okay. Um, and that is, unfortunately, um, a, a sentencing. So the, the public really doesn't have access to a judge during a criminal case. Uh, the judge won't – has no obligation to look at it, and, and it really would be unethical for him to do that because the judge's job is to see the – uh, case before him uh, as presented to through the court system. What you can do, though, and go ahead. Go ahead. I think they're address um, what it is they're addressing it to the judge as like okay. dear judge of the superior court, but uh-huh. my lawyer is holding it in a file. Okay, so that might be uh, that. Then if he's just holding it, then the ju- he hasn't submitted it, and he's not going to submit it, and until or unless there was a sentencing hearing. Um, but what you can do, and this is something that we did, uh, is is to uh, send letters or emails or phone calls to the prosecutor, uh, to the to the DA's office. And one of the things that's it's an interesting, you know, it's a it's a I don't know that it's a risky get play, but it's definitely um, you know it's a ballsy play in that Hello? the prosecutor is there. They rely on public opinion a lot because they rely on that jury to get their conviction. And they're not going to take on a case that they think that they're going to lose. And if there's enough of an outcry about your case to the prosecutor's office, and, you know, one of the things that we we bombarded my prosecutor with, with phone calls, letters, emails, and it's not to say that they relented, but... It was one of the pieces of the puzzle, and they were very aware that there was a lot of community support for me, the defendant. And one of the the, the points that we always like to make, and it's, in, it's an important point, is that we're spending our tax dollars on this. And I don't know uh, if your county is, you know, got every road paved and, and all the power is in a good shape and um, you know, you've got every amenity that your tax dollars should be should be providing. Probably not. I don't know any place in the country that is. Um, all the bridges are updated or upgraded, and you know the infrastructure is solid. Your sewer system works great. Probably the answer is no. Um, tax dollars shouldn't be spent on this. It's a complete waste of 
of public resources. And it's one of those things that um, you just have to uh, get that message through. And, and it's one of the messages that if you decide that you want to, you know, reach out to a, a, a media outlet, that's a point that transcends your personal, you know, story. This is now a public problem. This is, uh, you know, it's, and it's not a, it, it, it's a problem that crosses over political boundaries. It's a problem that that gets into the, you know, the meat and potatoes of people's daily lives. Where, you know, I got to spend this tax dollars. I got to spend money on taxes. It's bad enough. I got to, you know, fund things I don't want to fund. But this, this, it doesn't make sense. And it's right, one of those things that. that been a substitute yes. teacher for our schools and that teaches our kids at their sports and teaches our kids at the church and does all of this. Do I really want to waste tax dollars on her for medicine exactly. for her husband that we well, know is sick? And that's one of the things that, you know, we, we try to use as, you know, it's, it's, it's a civil rights issue, obviously. Um, but it's a it's a public uh issue as well and you know we we don't spend money where we need to and we do spend money where we shouldn't and you know there's <laughs> violent crime happening all over the country there's real problems that law enforcement and the court system should be dealing with the, there's 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 murder cases that are being drug on because these petty little drug cases are clogging up the courtrooms um you know, there's real problems that aren't being addressed because this is taking up resources that it shouldn't. And I just think that that's a bigger issue than uh, a lot of times people will bother uh, to bring forth. And I think that, you know, again, it's a talking point that definitely, um, you know, isn't just your personal lackeys following you around doing exactly what you're telling them to. It's people saying, wait a minute, what the heck's going on here? Why are we doing this? So that's definitely something I would consider. Um, now, I don't know, um, you know, it seems like you've got a pretty good grasp of what, you know, what's going on. I would like to engage the human solution uh, to, you know, participate in this officially and, and um, you know, uh, have... And I appreciate that. Well... You know, it's it's here's the thing, and and it's it's an important thing, and it's something that a lot of people um, it's a lot of people when you're fighting a case, you're fighting the case. But if you realize that there's an organization, or maybe there's more than one organization, but there's certainly one organization who part of our focus is to provide support and to educate people about what they can do to get their justice, to, you know, to protect their civil rights, their civil liberties. Um, and it's important, though, that, you know, if, if, if we move forward on this, that we do it as a team, you know, that, that um, you rec- represent that this is now, you know, the human solution has now taken this into, you know, we're, we're stepping into the arena with you. Um, and what you're going to get in with this is you're going to get the the uh, experience of a lot of people who have been in the court system. Um, you're going to get um, the guidance of people who have 
who have done what you're doing. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to put the word out and reach more people in your area that we can reach out and maybe find some more supporters that you don't already have. Um, we can help to coordinate uh, the court support. We can we can provide solidarity ribbons for you if you like. Um, we can we can you know educate you on how to do a jury nullification campaign if it turns out that that becomes important. Um, you won't know about that till the very end if that's going to be something that is going to be necessary. But if it is, you want to be armed. You want to have the ability to do it. And you know part of Part of that's going to be dependent on what happens in the next several hearings, whether you know you're able to get these motions presented correctly. If you're able to do what you set out to, the case should get dismissed, and you shouldn't have to do any more than that. But if they deny these things and they force a trial, then you may be stuck in a spot where you're nullifying this bad law is your only hope. Well... If that is the case and you're still willing to stand, then we have the ability to teach you to do that. We have literature. We have, you know, hell, I've I've been known to come out to, uh, you know, help to rally a support and and uh, you know do that sort of thing if, if if it all comes down to it. Another thing is is you realize that you have all the control to take this thing, and if you decide at the very very end that you're about to pick a jury and you realize that, you know, this is not going to go well, you have a right to tell your attorney, you know what, I'll take that deal. And you can pull that card at the last second if it turned out that it was the best card. So, um, you know, a lot of people go into go into this at the place that you're standing strong and and capable and, and, and able, and then, you know, days and weeks and months and sometimes years go by, and you get a little bit beaten up and beaten down and and you you know don't have the same support you did going in sometimes you have more support at the end going in just know that you have that control you know they try to take away all of the control that you have they try to make it to where you have to do this you have to do that but the truth is you have options and that's part of what we're here to do is to help you to recognize those options as you're going through and, uh, you know, to ultimately be there for you in a way that will hopefully influence a positive outcome. So that's it. That's what we're at. Um, what I'd like to do is, um, you know, have you come on regularly to the show, and we don't have to, you know, spend two hours together the next time you call in, because now we're familiar with the story. Um, but you can come in and we can talk about, um, you know, an update. We can talk about what's what's been happening. And I will make myself available. And I think we just lost Michelle. I think uh, she got connected. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, this will be available for the uh, the archive. Just going to make, make us available uh, for her support. So, um, yeah, I'm going to – I'll follow up with her tomorrow. Yeah, but I think that, you know, she's got a she's got a case that is worthy of fighting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think all the cases are worthy of fighting, to be honest. But uh, this one in particular, it seems like there's a lot of holes in it, and, and she has a strong 
possibility of of beating it, you know, up front. All right, we're going to bring up Tom Corby next. Uh, Becca, anything else you want to add to this? Nope, I'm good. Okay. Oh, Michelle's back on. We'll bring her back up to close the close the thing up here. Michelle, looks like we lost you. You're back on. Um, I, I, I just, am. <laughs> yeah, no, I just wanted to let you know, and Becca was going to call up and follow up, just to let you know that, you know, we're willing to uh, stand with you in this and that um, I, I will personally, um, you know, make myself available to uh, help walk you through this and bounce ideas off and, um, you know, this is what we do. So I'd like to kind of officially, uh, you know, set up. We don't need to, you know, start a chapter or anything up there. We could if you wanted to, but, you know, let's call it a court support team. Let's call it a, you know, a, a mission. And uh, you have the human solutions support for your case, and, and, and uh, you know, hopefully we can set up a little outpost out there and, and I can coordinate with you if you – Get a bunch of people together um, that you think – what I would do, if you were able to, I would focus energy in addition to everything you're doing already to, you know, getting people to commit to coming to court with you. And if you can get a number of people to come into one spot, we can do a conference call or I can, uh, you know, just call. We can just talk and put you on speaker if you have everybody at your place and we can have a conversation about – you know, courtroom behavior and, um, you know, sort of do's and don'ts and ways to be effective, ways to take that support and cause it to be the most that it can be. Okay. I will do that. Right. I will start gathering everyone. I'm good at stuff like that. I just handed in a 600 signature petition to the school. <laughs> so Beautiful. Beautiful. I will well, do my um, best. Becca has your number. I'm going to give you my number right now, and then you'll be able to call me direct. Um, you got a pen and paper? I, I'm going inside right now to grab one. I apologize. I live, like I said, very rurally, and my landline dropped somehow. So oh, I understand. I, phone. I, you're probably a little more rural than I am, but I'm at the end of a dirt road myself. <laughs> I'm at a dirt road, and then my driveway is very, very dirt. (laughs) So I do have Becca's number, and your number would be? 951-436-6312. Okay. All right. So give a holler. You officially have the support of the Human Solution International and – um, we've got about 25 minutes left of the show, and I've got a couple of guests I need to get to. So yes. I want to yes. thank you for coming aboard. I welcome you to uh, call in regularly, and, you know, I, I think it's okay. important that we do this, um, you know, publicly so that it helps other people that have a similar situation to understand how it works, what we do, how we can do it, and learn and be inspired by it. Okay, I will. I will call in all the time with is the new current updates that we have, new motions that are filed, so that Beautiful. if someone else can learn from what my experience is. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us, 
and feel free to stay on the line and listen to the rest of the show. I will talk to you very soon. Once again, Michelle okay. Button um, joining us and is going through the hell that is a criminal case that has to do with pot. Um, it's unfortunate. It makes you know it, it makes no sense, uh, but it's the way it is, um, and that's why we exist to fight it to to cause people to have the support necessary to stand tall and to make the change. And that's what happens when enough of us stand up. All right, so we've got Dolores Halbin on the line and Tom Corby going to do a NorCal report. So I'm going to give Tom first crack, and Dolores is going to wrap it up. Um, Tom, you've got about 10 minutes. Uh, hopefully you can wrap your report into about 10 minutes. Welcome to the show. Good to talk to you as always. Oh, thank you, Joe, Bobby Rodrigo, Coffee Party Radio. Nice to have Mike back screen today, and all those on the front line. Our goal and vision is to finally deschedule cannabis and end prohibition, free in all our POWs. Uh, I went to a hearing today. I've been talking about Eric Pierce, Alex Lyons, Nick Moran, Horse Benos up here in NorCal. Uh, I went to his second TRC today. He's here with me today, and he's giving me a hand with all my honeydew jobs Donna's got me doing. Uh, I could expound right here, right now, on his case for a couple hours. And, you know, again, we're not men of brevities because we have so much to say. Again, in Buchanan, we're setting huge precedents. Uh, we're redirecting not only the attorneys, but our PDs here in Butte County. And we let them know if you want on a winning team, then you need to join us. And we do not plea bargain. We only come with our 995 dismissal and our probable cause to verse and quash the warrant, which our case is still in the higher courts in five years now with those two motions that I feel are so important to file. And I'm trying to learn to talk right in the phone here, Joe. Uh, You're doing great. Eric, Eric Pierce, uh, again, and Nick Moran, uh, were victim of circumstances. He happened to break down near uh, John, uh, who was actually the collective owner and the landlord who's already made a, a lacious, really good deal with a, with a, a wobbler dismissal on the end. Um, so, uh, so he gets charged with the usual charges, uh, cultivation, intent to sell, and then there's mushrooms involved. And now it's interesting when I case and how I uh, fought the mushroom charges that I wasn't there and how they grow on my – my uh, neighbor's cow patty across in the pasture and how I, the mushrooms went away and on my on the charges that we were up 14 years for, my wife and I. Um, when we talk about PDs and we talk about DDAs, not DAs, they're deputy attorneys, uh, puppets for the DA. Uh, and the DAs usually, uh, no matter what, keep pushing these CDAs to make some kind of deal, no matter what. Uh, I suffice it to say here that, uh, like with the Benos having, and her two boys having 17 charges, Don and I had, uh, were up for 14 years, Interstate Commerce, Moran, Alex Lyons, 
and 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 Eric Pierce uh, for for uh, could go to jail. Some of our uh, POWs that are in for life without parole, uh, fifty or more, have went to jail for uh, for less. How uh, attorney, attorneys uh, like Joseph Tully and Stefano uh, 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 Firmino here in Butte County and some of our PDs like Jodea Foster uh, are, are winning cases and they only come with because we redirected them with a 995 dismissal. We don't want to hear anything about plea bargaining and Eric Pierce will tell you today uh, they finally made him a BS a BS plea deal. Uh, keeping in mind, he was only uh, broke down with his truck and trying to fix his truck, and happened to be there. Uh, they dropped they dropped counts one uh, uh, intent to sell today. Uh, Leah Payne uh, finally read the script after PT PD Marshall finally came around and kind of coming for Pierce now and told read the script that. that that Eric Pierce never did say that he was actually growing there. So they they reduced uh, the charges down to uh, uh, offers of BS, misdemeanor, uh, mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms, so assignment deal, 18 months, unsupervised PO, online drug, online drug class, and fines, which, of course, you don't know about. When you, if you do make a deal, uh, we ended up paying eleven thousand dollars in fines when Donna finally uh, made her, which we felt was in this in situation when we solved our case, a good deal. Uh, PD PD Marshall today told the judge, and in fact, in the very first place, PD Marshall told Pierce that he's stupid for not taking that first BS deal. Now he's saying, told the judge, and listen, Bill, we have Judge Riley. You remember Riley uh, when he came for our pre-trials up here a couple times? And when I first came out, got out of jail, he was like uh, my judge. And uh, he used to grow a beard. And uh, I told Pierce uh, today when I was sitting with him, I says, I like Riley, and he does too. And I, I, he feels that... Riley's actually compassionate, and he knows I'm there. He knows who I am. So, of course, uh, Eric, not going to take any deal. Told you haven't done anything wrong. Uh, and uh, so Petey Marshall says, I have no defense for these psilocybin mushrooms. What's that say? Well, we can recuse you and find somebody that does. Uh, also, when we talk about... Uh, or cannabis as medicine, uh, or mushrooms, peyote. We also come bring the religious sacrament in. And when he did that, he actually got Marshall confused of what he's supposed to do now. So uh, we're going to go on uh, this Friday. It's already uh, on. It was on the calendar already. The old calendar. Uh, Pierce's uh, pre-trial conference at 8.30, actually just in two days, uh, right here at number one, Core Street, Butte County, North Cal. We always uh, recommend uh, or 
not only to come and support the defendant and to bear witness to the injustices go on inside the courtroom. Uh, we need new defendants that need help. Uh, we need we need actual point people that really want to come and be the solution uh, to end the failed drug war. Uh, well, before I let Pierce maybe say just a few words, I uh, don't want to forget also on, on Eric Pierce's case, uh, they never never gave him the police report. Uh, the complaint was well, a fire chief here, and Pierce already proved that he wasn't growing. They weren't growing on his property, so they've already proved that and had uh, the lawsuit thrown out on that level. Uh, also, uh, <clears throat> a new case that we've met him, Richard Hemsley, uh, at 9 a.m. This is a federal trial, uh, kind of like yours, Joe, not uh, that he or uh, Hemsley, the usual pot uh, charges, cannabis. Uh, federal trial, he's already uh, had a 6 6 hung jury in his first trial, and I told him. I said that usually favors the defendants and Pierce even said today, well, people are really thinking about what, what, what are we doing here? And of course, jury nullification, no victim, no crime always applies to all the cases. So Hemsley's uh, been moved up. He was, he was up earlier. He's been moved up till also this Friday down in Sacramento on 1501 I street at the federal building, uh, 9 a.m. for his federal uh, TRC trial readiness conference. Uh, if people go and you're in Sacramento, you can park right there at Perkle Street Parking and just walk over a couple blocks. You gotta have your license with you when you go to Fed trials. Uh, I want to thank uh, Michelle Button uh, and wish her best in trial. I'm not sure where you said she was up there somewhere and then. Uh, that uh, that she talked today, and uh, we need more defendants to come in and really. Uh, nobody knows your case better than you, and uh, I just want uh, Eric Pierce to say a little something today. He's a very good speaker too, Eric Pierce. Uh, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Um, yeah. Welcome yeah. to the show. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have anything planned to say, really. Um, uh, pretty much I'm not taking any deals. I don't have any. There's no uh, no victims. So there's no crime, uh, at least in my scenario. And uh, I, I told the judge today, actually, um, my public defender uh, told the judge that he, he might have a, a case on the two uh, cannabis charges, but the mushroom charges I had no defense for. Um and uh, wanted me to take a deal, and the judge asked me if I understood the the deal and everything, and you know if, if I was certain I didn't want to take it, and I told him it would be against my uh, conviction to enter a plea of guilty. Judge Riley. Yeah, Judge yeah. Riley. Yeah, he um, too. Riley was listening. He's compassionate. Yeah, so they they told me to come back uh, day after tomorrow, and I guess we're doing the same thing again. Going to talk about deals and schedules, and yeah, I'm not, I don't know whatever. Whatever we do again Friday. You got them on the ropes. They give them. They're going to start throwing better deals. They got to get something. Well, even an infraction. But in your case, I would say no way. Not even an infraction. Shelby Lucero's case. Maybe even then, you're still 
you're still uh, admitting uh, guilt. I'm not. I'm not entering a guilty plea because uh, it would it would denounce who I am. It would denounce where I came from. It would denounce my creator. Um, I until I until I break a law, until there's a victim, until I harm someone, uh, no other man on earth has any authority over me, uh, other than my creator himself. Him or or herself. Well, there you go. It's um, that kind of um, you know fortitude that that makes the changes, and that's that was the position I I took, and um, there aren't a lot of people willing to do it, but when we do, that's that's where the changes get made, and you know I I, I deeply respect your point of view, and um, you know hopefully we're able to uh, cause others to you know realize that th- some things are worth fighting for listen we've got to move forward i've got dolores halbin on the line and she's got a real important story to tell us and i want to make sure that i've got uh, enough time to uh, get her in there so uh, i appreciate you standing and fighting and uh, if it ever does come down to a jury trial uh, once you start picking a jury that's when tom gives me the call and if i'm able to i'll come up there and uh, you know be part of your support i'd love to see you there that'd be great well I'd i'm, I'm hoping they dismiss the case rather than waste our tax dollars on a trial. But if they decide to do it, that's that's when I press the the activation button. So, um, totally. Tom Corby is uh, one of the finest warriors I know, and you're in good hands with him. And I appreciate you helping him out. Uh, anything we could do to, to you know, Tom's got a a pretty good sized piece of property and a lot of stuff to do for one man. So I appreciate uh, any help you're doing. All right, Joe. Well, thanks. And when you come up, we'll get that fishing trip in. And thanks, I am everybody. so looking forward to it. All right. All right once and again, the, the amazing Tom Corby. And, um, you know, we're just doing so much good work up there. All right. We've got Dolores Halbin on the line. And Dolores has been a um, – Mike, I'm sorry if I cut your conversation off. I just uh, – she's got 10 minutes left of the show. I want to give her a chance oh, to, hey. to tell us what's going oh, on. This, hey, Dolores, how's it going? Joe? Yes, oh, it is. Good. Mike was keeping. Mike was letting me cry on his shoulder there. Oh <laughs> yeah, Mike is good, folks. He's uh, you know, part of our part of our board here at the Human Solution, and um, for good reason. Um, so tell yeah. us what the heck's been going on. I I, I hear there's uh, talk of moral turpitude violation. What the heck is that about? I have no idea. Um, I mean, it's been three years and three months since we were raided, and it's been right. a year and three months since I was uh, sentenced. And right. last week, well, in April, I, got, I was contacted by the State Board of Nursing a year and a month after I was sentenced, and they wanted an explanation. So I wrote them an explanation, and I sent copies of Gene's doctor's letters and you know, just told them the story and uh, didn't, I got a call back at seven o'clock in the morning from the guy a few weeks ago and on the warrant swore out the detective, one of the lying DTA agents had written that Gene had said that he was growing marijuana for him and his wife to smoke. Now, they denied saying that in the trial. In the trial, they both testified that he never once stated that it was that it that that I was involved in any way. So we have Which that. Which means you have access to a transcript, right? Yeah, we have that in the transcript. So 
the transcripts contraindicate the warrant, and um, right. and then they lied. They lied several other times, which we weren't able to put into the trial because, I mean, when when the sheriffs and everybody left, the two DTF agents circled the house and came back. One of them got out of the car, went in the house, and was alone with Jean for 20 minutes, and then got in the car and left. Um, my neighbor was watching the house for me. She was homesick. But at the time, she was 15, and we just made the decision that it was going to put her at too high a risk to be a witness against these guys. I mean, I was truly afraid for her. Since then, Unfortunately, um, that's why we recommend having hidden cameras because yeah, those are the kind of things they, yeah, absolutely that, not that, that would have made all the difference in the world. Made all the difference in the world. But the child yeah, is 18. But then, once again, there's played, that hindsight. Always <laughs> uh, 20, 20. Um, exactly. This young lady turned 18 and played softball with the sheriff's daughter. Uh, the sheriff's wife and her mother work together. This child has impeccable integrity against these two guys' words. So what we're trying to do in this trial is somehow work her testimony into it. If we can do that, then I can send the transcripts of this trial to Judge Journey and prove that these guys lied on the stand, that they um, lied about being alone with Gene, that they that. Also, and we didn't think to do this in the first trial, I showed the handwritten confession that Gene initialed. The detective wrote out the sentences and Gene initialed him. And I asked Gene's eye doctor, I said, could he even read that with his glasses on? And he said, no way. Not even with a pair of reading glasses, with no depth perception. And as bad as the handwriting was, Gene could have not had any way of reading what he signed. So we can get him to testify, and although those two things really aren't relevant to my situation, if I can get those into the transcripts of this trial in order the transcripts, that gives me a tool to take back to the, Dan, a tool to take back to the judge to throw out my trial, throw out my charges. You know, these guys lied on the stand. They were alone with Gene. He was never Mirandized. Um, so there's so a possibility. Tell me, tell me more about this trial. Um, what what exactly this is, is happening? A criminal chi- this is a criminal child. Brought a- the State Board of Nursing has requested that the state licensing agency, the State of Missouri Licensing Agency, which licenses nurses, physicians, and everybody else that needs a license. The State Board of Nursing has requested that they bring charges against me of moral turpitude for being in violation of my oath under sections, and then they had 16 or 17 sections. Um, And... uh, Now, is this this something that you're going to have access to to discovery as to what their what their yes. case is or yes. okay good yes. and and so this is yes. an actual yes. criminal charges this is an actual criminal charges i can't get jail time but i can get my license suspended and a fine and i have wow. not been able to find out um i've looked Do up you have representation for this oh yeah dan beats is going back we're going back i mean he's been with me from day one 
and okay. well, that's, I mean, you know, that's me. important. Yeah. I know yeah. that uh, um, Dr. Allen went through a medical board, you know, nightmare, and mm-hmm. it was a different sort of a thing. But I, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's different sets of rules when you're when you're dealing well, with that. So, um, now these are not I'm health and safety really... code violations. These are these are violations no. against the nurses. Well, this is saying that uh, I hurt people. And I'm criminally yeah. liable for hurting people. Wow. I mean, this, this, and they, this, this, this clearly they have no evidence of you hurting anybody. So it's it's. Well, it's, I haven't. No, I right. have practiced. Well, I, I wouldn't be talking to you if you were going around hurting people. <laughs> well, it's crazy. And in in my letter to him, I I even I even said, you know, I've got two and a half years worth of clean drug screens. My husband yeah. was a patient. We were not right. recreational users. Every time before right. court, I went and had a drug screen done, and um, yeah. I, 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 I have just ruffled, I have ruffled feathers. Right. Um, when when we got busted on the 18th of March, on uh, March the 30th, they ran well. The the next day, Don Bradley came out from the Kansas City Star, and on the following Sunday, they did a headline. And it was Bates County Marijuana Raid, Evolution of an Issue. It was a four-page article. There were a lot of pictures of Gene and I. It went viral. It went around the world. The next day, my brother was in London, and he called me. He's a musician, and he said, uh, how you doing? I said, okay. I mean, we don't talk very often. And he said, anything you want to tell me? And I said, not really. And he goes, well, I'm reading the London Times, and you and Gene's pictures is on the front page. So start wow. talking, Seth. So it wow. went to nine countries and ten languages. I don't know why, Joe. I mean, I don't how do things go viral. I don't know. Anyway, since then, I haven't been able to get a damn thing to go viral. But that article did. I know, I know. When you want it what, to happen, it when won't. You it, when, you, yeah. when you wish it but, didn't, it does. It, I know. It, yeah. Crazy. So that that pissed off that pissed off Bates County, and that is why they turned around. You know, four days later, with twenty five thousand dollar bond, a bullshit warrant, or a bullshit affidavit to get us arrested, and the seven days in jail, which is what ultimately killed Gene. That was revenge. So right. they've had their revenge already. They killed my husband, and now they're trying to come after me and put me on trial again. When Gene died, they should have dropped the charges on me. For God's sake, the man freaking died. I mean, he, he died. My husband died. And and they're going to still bring petty bullshit, you know, possession of marijuana charges against a 61-year-old RN with an impeccable reputation and no criminal background and two and a half years worth of clean drug screens and they still put me on trial and they still found me guilty and now I'm going back on trial. I'm going back so, on trial. So where is this? Uh, there's um, a prosecuting it, it, attorney. <laughs> where is the trial going to be held? Uh, it's going to be in Jefferson City at the State Board of Nursing at 8.30 in the morning on May the 24th. And at this point in time, I will take any and all publicity. They are the ones that threw down the lance, and I'm just mad as hell. I'm going to have to go in there 
I've spoken publicly. You know, I've never turned down a chance to speak publicly and go and tell my husband's story. We have a little bit of time. Um, I think we haven't, you know, we've been uh, switching our website from one platform to another, but we could still put a press release together and we could still publish it and we could still get it out there. Uh, Becca, are you still on the line? Okay. Um, How's she I, feeling? I missed, I'm sorry. I couldn't get a signal where I was earlier, so I had to scramble home. Oh, I think she's dropped off. She's uh, recovering from a neck surgery, and it, it, it was yeah. much harder on her than she was anticipating. There was more damage uh, that needed to be dealt with. But anyways, so um, why, don't, why don't you you and I, let, let's, hang on a second. I'm getting your, God, everybody always calls while I'm on the show. Uh, why don't you uh, you and I get together tomorrow and let's get this press release written. Okay. Um, okay. And we have times of the essence right now. Mike's on the line. Uh, he, he's been very instrumental in getting some of our press releases to be seen. We've not done a lot of press releases lately because, you know, we're trying to make them count when we do. Um, I think yeah. that's well, doing fewer things, but yeah, so let's <laughs> let's take some time one. and write this thing well. It should be a standard, you know, who, what, where, when, how, and why, mm-hmm. no more mm-hmm. than a couple of paragraphs, two to three paragraphs, right. and right. Um, let's, let's make this a story, and are you going to be able to bring support um, to this trial? Dan, is there, Dan is there, is there an open courtroom? Out, I don't it is an open courtroom, and I can have as many witnesses as I want. People can, I can have, the, there's two very interesting things about it. First of all, the State Board of Nursing pays for the subpoenas, which I found just bizarre. Uh, yeah. You have to pay to have them served, but they pay to have them written up, and okay. uh, witnesses can call in and testify by phone. So both of Gene's wow. doctors subpoena them, and um, and they just, it's a phone call. So it's weird, and I mean it's criminal. We have a prosecuting attorney. There's criminal charges involved, and they're and spending a record. money on this, and then that's just ridiculous. But it's like it, instead of a judge, it's twelve board members. So the whole thing is one of the most. You know, I just every turn, I just keep thinking it can't get any weirder. But it just keeps getting so much freaking weirder. I just, but yes. Um, I need the support of all of the nurses, all of the Canada doctors, uh, the 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 medical community, the patients, the children, the moms. I was so touched because the moms, and I know we're about out of time, but the moms. That we're we're running a little over time, but I, I've got a little flexibility mm-hmm. here, so um, and we'll we'll they have you on next come. week as well. You will, we'll the feature your your. Yeah. If you can come mm-hmm. up next week, we'll put you up as. Our featured guest, and um, yeah, I will. Hopefully, you'll be able to call I in can. earlier. We can spend some time on this, but we can have this yeah. press release up, out, written, and distributed before next week. Um, that will yes. give us a chance to to rally some support. Um, and you know, that's what we need to if do. We need to play. get that courtroom packed. Yeah. We need to get. Yeah. This needs to be. Uh, a, 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 there needs to be an outrage over this. This is well, this, this is, is unbelievable. To put me back through this, it it's 
every time I have to tell it, uh, it takes me a week to recover emotionally. And I had literally, like within days of losing my husband, settling up the finances and moving on with my life for the first time in three years, three months, and I get a registered letter from the State Board of Nursing. So I am like so knocked, I mean, this has knocked my socks off. And yes, every nurse in the country and every patient in the country should be outraged about this on so many levels. Just well, so that's what I'm here to, to to help to happen, and I know, um, you know, you definitely have the support of our organization, and um, you know, let's. I, I it blows me away that that even happened, and you know, every time I think I've seen everything, something else comes exactly, up that right, uh, completely, right? you know, <laughs> keeps me down, standing on the ground and humble. Um, so that yeah. being said, um, that's what we're here for, Dolores. That, that know, is why our our organization exists to uh, raise know. up and protect your rights. So, um, and I you, will you work have with my you. commitment to be there for you. And I will be with. Uh, I will well, be there for you guys tomorrow. Yeah, and I. And, okay. And let's get that press release written, and um, we'll have you as our featured guest next week, and we'll dig deeper okay. into this. And um, you know, let's let's know we, we got enough time to make it happen. I I'll know more by next week too. So yes, let's let's do. Okay, Thank beautiful. You, Joe. I I I All would right. feel well, so lost you know what? You, without you. You 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 have my personal phone number too. So don't don't do. hesitate to use it. Okay, and my number's changed. So what's a good time for me to call you? Um, why don't you call me tomorrow? At like nine, no, about ten o'clock a.m. No, call You're, call me at nine o'clock. We do a conference call tomorrow, and we can uh, I can plug you into the conference call. In fact, I'll give you, I'll give, I'll message you the conference call number, and you can call okay. into the conference call. It's going to be me, Becca, and Lisa. Maybe Michael join us tomorrow, and we can hammer right. this thing out. Oh, thank you so much. And that's nine o'clock California time, right? Nine o'clock California time. Yep. Okay. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll message you, you the call-in number. Okay. You bet. That'll we love work. you, That's and we're there I for you, you and and we're gonna make the change. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much, and um, you know I appreciate everybody that supported the Human Solution, and I appreciate everybody who is stand up to fight for their rights, and um, you know we're making a difference. We're changing the world, and um, we will see you next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my